0: The angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. That's our theme verse from Luke chapter 2, verse 10 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Associate Care Pastor Josh Masters will continue in our series experiencing Christmas with this week's episode titled Joy to the World. If you want to watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org watch or download our Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ.
1: And there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a savior that is Christ the Lord. And that is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. This morning, we're going to continue our series called Experiencing Christmas by exploring the joy of Christmas and how we experience the joy of Christmas. In the NLT, the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Great joy. But let's be honest, how many of us can say that we have truly experienced great joy over the last eight or nine months? There's been a worldwide pandemic. Devastating fires, hurricanes, murder hornets, political unrest, social unrest. And all of these struggles that we've seen this year, they haven't been some distant story on a television screen, have they? No, it's affected us. It has affected us personally, both individually and as a church, it has affected us. And for some of us, the losses have been devastating. And now it's Christmas. And this year isn't going to look the same as other Christmases, is it? Mm -mm. Some of us have decades-old family traditions that simply can't happen this year. Others of us are facing their first Christmas separated from lost loved ones. And all of that pain is very real. And we don't want to pretend that that pain doesn't exist. And I know that there are many people who are asking this year, where is this great joy that the angel talked about? Because I can't seem to find it. In fact, let's acknowledge that even in the best of years, Christmas is a very difficult time for a lot of people. So this isn't going to be... A message that tries to prop up joy as an emotion that we should try to muster up during the holiday season. In fact, I think it dishonors the joy that Christ came to give us if we don't acknowledge how difficult life can be and how difficult life is right now. It dishonors it. But even with all that has happened, the New Testament uses the word joy or rejoice over 130 times to describe what the life of a believer should be filled with even in adversity. So why do we struggle to find it? Why do we struggle to find joy? Well, here's one of the reasons. I think that we have a tendency to confuse the word happy with the word joy because they don't mean the same thing at all. Happiness is external. It depends on our circumstances. Joy is internal and overcomes our circumstances. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a state of being. But in this year, in this year of disappointment and suffering, how do we find it? How do we really experience joy instead of just putting on an emotional mask, not the mask that I see you wearing, the emotional mask that we put on and faking it for the people around us. That's a fair question. So what I want to do this morning is I want to walk through the Christmas story with fresh eyes because I think that we have a tendency to whitewash the lives of the people that we meet in the Christmas story. We view the shepherd and Mary and everyone else with this sort of internal Instagram filter that makes their life look somehow softer and more appealing. But they faced brokenness and fear and uncertainty just like we do. And yet, despite their circumstances, somehow they managed to grab hold of that joy that we're so desperate to find this year. So what we're going to do this morning is first, we're going to look at some of the circumstances that they faced when they found joy. And then at the end, we're going to explore, after looking at their difficulties and their difficult circumstances, we'll finish up by discussing how we can discover and grab hold of that joy in our circumstances. Now, I'm going to jump around a lot in the Christmas story, so the easiest way to follow along is using the Brookwood Church app, but we'll also put the verses up on the screen. And for those of you using the message outline, we're moving into section B. So first, let's look at what the life of Mary teaches us about joy. Mary teaches us that experiencing true joy overcomes unfulfilled dreams. Number 1 Experiencing true joy overcomes unfulfilled dreams. Let's look at Luke 1:26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings. Now, the NLT says greetings, but in in the real Greek it means rejoice. Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That's amazing, right? But take Mary off your shelf for a minute, because Mary is not a porcelain figure. Mary is a human being, just like you and me. Yes, the message that Gabriel is bringing Mary means the promises of God to Adam and Abraham and David are about to be fulfilled. The Messiah is coming. Hope is coming. Joy is coming to the world. But what does it mean for Mary? In that moment, what does that mean for Mary? When the angel says, rejoice, favored woman, he's telling her to be filled with joy. But think about this. His words are also telling Mary, forget every dream that you had for your life. Whatever you planned, whatever you hoped for, isn't going to happen. All of that is over. She was about to marry Joseph, and just like us, I suspect that Mary had dreams for what she thought her life was going to look like, and those dreams are now gonna go unfulfilled. And it's easy for us reading two chapters in the book of Luke to say, yes, but she gets the blessing of being the mother of the savior of the world, and yes, that is true. But do you think that that was an easy calling? Do you think that was a dream filled mission? No, because before Mary was visited by the angel, do you think Mary's dream included telling her fiance that she was pregnant? Do you think that her dreams included that her firstborn child would spend his first night in an animal trough or fleeing to another country? because someone was trying to kill her child or that her husband would die young? Do you think that Mary's dreams included watching her firstborn child be tortured and murdered in front of her eyes? Mary's life was not marked with the peaceful serenity that we like to put in statues. And Mary knew, Mary knew how hard it was going to be right from the very beginning. Because right after Jesus was born, she and Joseph take him to the temple to be dedicated, and a prophet filled with the Holy Spirit tells Joseph and Mary exactly what they can expect in their life. Turn the page over to Luke chapter 2, verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will will pierce your very soul. How many people want a prophecy that says your child will face constant rejection and that your very soul will be pierced with a sword? They knew who Jesus was. They knew who Jesus is. And they knew that they were going to experience a painful life. Now this has already gotten very serious, so let me take a break and say this but some of you aren't going to like this. That song you all love, Mary, did you know? She knew. Mary, did you know has got to go. Thank you, Jevilyn. Lynn. Mary knew. And the plans that she had for her life were completely turned upside down. And even as the angel was speaking to her, Mary knew that all of her dreams, all of her hopes were coming to an end. Yet how did she respond? Back to Luke 1, verse 38. She said, I am the Lord's servant, May everything you have said about me come true. And then a little bit further down, she begins to sing a song of joy. And it begins like this. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Don't miss this. Mary experienced joy and hardship because she was focused on the promises of the Messiah instead of her earthly circumstances. Mary experienced joy and hardship because she was focused on the promises of the Messiah and not her earthly circumstances. When we experience the joy of Christ, even though it seems unfathomable and hard, we gain the ability to surrender our dreams for his will. And we might say, sure, if God sent me a sign, if God sent me an angel and he wanted to use me for something as incredible as he used Mary, then, then I would surrender my dreams. No, we wouldn't. Listen, God has a purpose for your life. And there are probably signs all around you. There are probably incredible, obvious signs where God is leading you. But until we're willing to have our life interrupted, until we're willing to have our plans interrupted, We will invent ways to deny what God is saying to us. And that would be true even if God sent an angel. I think deep down, deep down inside, many of us, most of us know the next step God is calling us to. But we deny it. It might be adopting a child. It might be giving up an unhealthy relationship or restoring a relationship you don't want to restore. It might be sacrificially giving to others in need or to the church or to a missionary. God might be stirring something else in your heart right now. He might be telling you right now what that next step is. But whatever it is, I can tell you this, it's just the first step in something much greater that God wants to do in your life. But first, we have to accept that his plan is greater than our dreams. And we can only do that when we learn to live in the joy of Christ. Mary's story teaches us that true joy overcomes unfulfilled dreams. What about the Magi? From their story, we learn that joy overcomes uncertain journeys. Number two, experiencing joy, true joy, overcomes uncertain journeys. Now, as some of you know, the Magi, or what we call the, ma- the wise men, were not actually at the birth of Jesus Christ, right? They probably showed up about the time that Jesus was turning two years old. Jesus was probably about two years old when... The Magi showed up. Now, that doesn't mean you have to throw out the wise men in your nativity. Just put them on the other side of the room like they're on their way. (laughs) They arrived about two years later. Keep going. Now, the Magi, which is actually... the in the Greek means magician, not wise men. They were wealthy pagan astrologers. Wealthy pagan astrologers from the Far East. And We don't have time to read their entire story this morning, uh, but I want you to look at this one piece that happens after their encounter with Herod. Matthew two, starting in verse nine. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They see the star and they're filled with joy. But you know what's strange about that? This passage takes place after they leave Herod, which means they had seen and started following the direction of this star months ago, probably years ago. So, why now are they filled with joy when they see the star again? Well, the text doesn't tell us specifically, but I'll tell you what I think, which means you can take it or leave it. But this is what I think. First, we have to ask what was the star? What is this star that they were following? And people have argued about that and conjectured about it since the passage was written. Some people say that it was a comet. Other people believe that it was a supernova. I don't think it was any of that. See, the star appeared up in the sky, right, when they left home. They were following it from the sky. But the distance between Jerusalem, where they met Herod, and Bethlehem is only about 10 miles. When you look up into the night sky and you go 5, 6, 10 miles, can you tell which star is over which house? No. No, this was a supernatural event. It had to be much closer. It had to be right next to them. It had to be low in order to hang over the house where Jesus was living. And to me and to some actual scholars, That sounds an awful lot like the exact same pillar of fire that the Israelites were guided out of Egypt by. Exodus 13. A fire that is a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit himself. What Jewish rabbis call the Shekinah glory. I think the Magi were filled with joy because the Holy Spirit drew closer to them and they began to experience who God was even before they reached the baby. And remember what they had gone through to get to this final leg of their journey. Right, we only think of the distance that they traveled as being from a box in the floor to our mantle. But this was a long, difficult, uncertain journey. Did the Magi know where they were going when they left the Far East? Did they know the details of their journey before embarking on a trip that would take them years to complete? No. Now they may have had a sense that they were heading toward Israel because they knew that they were looking for the newborn Jewish king. But they had to rely on the star to tell them when to leave and where to go. They chose an uncertain journey. You ready? The Magi were willing to go on a difficult journey if it meant being closer to the king. Are you willing to go on a difficult journey if it means being closer to the king? If it means being closer to Jesus Christ, is a difficult journey worth it? Their path would have been dangerous, even though they probably had a large entourage with them. they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what they were going to encounter. They certainly didn't expect to spend months traveling over unforgiving terrain only to show up in Jerusalem and discover that no one knew what they were talking about. And after their confusing encounter with Herod, they certainly didn't know where Bethlehem was, where Jesus was in Bethlehem, or what they would find when they found him. They had to completely rely on the guide they were giving. They had to put their faith in the star of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question for us. Are we putting our faith in the journey itself or in the one who's guiding us? Because if our focus is on the guide instead of the path, then we not only have joy that overcomes unfulfilled dreams and joy that overcomes uncertain journeys, but that same joy will also overcome unchanging circumstances. Number three, and this is what we learned from the shepherds experiencing true joy overcomes unchanging circumstances. Now, earlier we read how the angel proclaimed good news or good tidings of great joy to the shepherds. And some scholars believe, based on how close they were to Bethlehem in the prophecy of Micah 4.8, that these actual shepherds may have been the shepherds that oversaw the raising of the sacrificial lambs for the temple. And if so, how appropriate that they would be the first to witness the Lamb of God. And we know that unlike the wise men, the shepherds found Jesus on the night that he was born, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And they worshiped him. Luke 2:17. After seeing him, Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. So they go out and they are sharing the good news. They are sharing the great joy that they're experiencing. All who heard it, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Down to verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flock, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, for it was just as the angel had told them. They met the savior of the world and they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. That's significant because the shepherds didn't go on a difficult journey like the Magi, their life was a difficult journey. Their circumstances were a difficult journey. They would have been excluded from all religious events or festivals, and shepherds were considered the very dregs of society. These men were outsiders. And even if they were the shepherds tending the sacrificial lambs, they still would have been looked down upon by the religious leaders and by most of the people in Israel. Their work was hard, Unending and unappreciated. Maybe you're here today and you feel like your work is unappreciated. Maybe you feel like your work is unending. But if you're working for the glory of God, if you're working with this joy of Christ in you, then no matter what you're doing, even if no one else sees it, God sees it. Matthew 6, one through four. And if you feel unappreciated, if you feel unloved today, you need to know God sees you. God sees you. But that doesn't always mean that God will change our circumstances because he's more interested in changing our hearts and changing our character. After the shepherds worshiped the Messiah, God didn't make them kings. He didn't make them rich. He didn't give them their dream job. He gave them something more important, joy, unending joy. They went back to the same field to do the same job, but they went glorifying God and praising God God didn't change the shepherd's circumstances. He changed their perspective in the circumstances. God didn't change the shepherd's circumstances. And he may not change your circumstance. But he is willing to change your perspective in the circumstance. So experiencing the joy of Christ overcomes our unfulfilled dreams, guides us in uncertain journeys and makes us content in unchanging circumstances. But as we've already said this morning, this year has been filled with sadness and sorrow and insecurity for a lot of people. So how do we grab hold Of this joy? How do we experience the joy of Christmas and then carry it into the rest of the year? How do we discover this joy in our own lives? Well, to answer that question, I want to very quickly look at two more people in the Christmas story. And I think first, it's important to acknowledge the one thing that prevents us from experiencing. The joy of Christ, the one thing that doesn't allow us to experience joy, but it's a difficult truth. Who, and I'll wait for you to answer, who is the one person in the Christmas story who doesn't experience joy? Herod, yeah, you guys came late. This side gets points points are only awarded once. When Herod heard the good tidings of great joy, he didn't experience joy at all, did he? Where everyone else rejoiced, Herod was disturbed and furious, Scripture says, Matthew 2, 3, and 16. So why wasn't Herod joyful that the Messiah had come? It threatened his place on the throne. It threatened his place on the throne. Yes, experiencing the joy of Christ overcomes our unfulfilled dreams, our uncertain journeys, our unchanging circumstances, but the one thing it can't penetrate is this. An unyielding pride. Herod didn't want to lose his place on the throne. And that's the primary reason we miss the joy of Christ in our own lives. It threatens the reign we think we have over our own lives. Now, you have to be very careful not to build your theology or doctrine around Christian song lyrics because, honestly, sometimes they're way off biblically. But I think Isaac Watts got it exactly right when he penned joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king and let every heart prepare him room. We experience joy, not when our circumstances change, but when we receive our king. When our hearts prepare him room, are you willing to step off the throne to experience joy? Because that's the first step. That's the first step step off the throne to experience joy. But then what? Choose joy. We've all heard that, right? We've seen it on Christmas cards and Instagram posts and decorative signs. Choose joy. It's a beautiful sentiment and terrible advice. Terrible advice. Because if you try to choose joy in the midst of difficult circumstances and broken dreams, do you know what will happen? You'll fail, you'll be disappointed. You may be able to fake it for a little while, but eventually you will fail. And then you'll not only be carrying the burden of your circumstances, but you will feel like a failure as a Christian because you can't muster up the joy. Love is a choice. Happiness may even be a choice. But true joy can't be manufactured. It's a gift. Let me show you last person that we're going to look at today. In the Christmas narrative, put on your thinking caps. In the Christmas narrative, what does Mary do between her visit from Gabriel and her journey to Bethlehem? What do we see her do? Right, she goes to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is pregnant with who? John the Baptist. Oh, now you all get points. She goes to visit Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant with John the Baptist. Back to Luke chapter one, verse 39. A few days later, so this is immediately after Mary has the encounter with the angels. So Elizabeth knows nothing about it. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zachariah lived. She entered the house And greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, John, leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. The moment Mary spoke, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. Don't miss how incredible that is. You know, we often talk about how significant it is that the lowly shepherds, the dregs of society, the lowest were chosen to worship the king that they were the first to worship Christ. And that is significant. But the first person to worship Jesus Christ as the Messiah wasn't the shepherds. It was an unborn baby. Even while Jesus himself was still in Mary's womb. how God loves the vulnerable and the disenfranchised. But John didn't choose to be joyful in his mother's womb. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He recognized the Messiah and that filled him with joy. See, joy is not a matter of trying harder. Joy is a matter of how close you are to Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. Joy is not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of how close you are to Jesus Christ. Look at Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, say it with me, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen very carefully. You don't choose joy. Joy chooses you through the Holy Spirit. Our part Our part in that is to remove the obstacles and the walls that we have built around ourselves that prevent us from experiencing that joy. That's why our ministry spotlight today is support groups. Come to celebrate recovery. It's not just drugs and alcohol, it's everything that ails you. Come to our support groups, get TPM. Because as we step off our throne, as we draw closer to Christ, as we find healing for our past hurts and our destructive behaviors, and we allow ourselves to be guided by the Holy Spirit, then joy is something that's naturally produced in our character. Listen, don't, don't try to choose joy. Choose the one that produces joy. Don't, don't try to pursue joy. Pursue the one that makes you rejoice. Regardless of their circumstances, everyone we've met in the Christmas story, except Herod encountered the spirit and experienced the true nature of Jesus Christ, Mary, had joy, not because of her circumstances, but because she experienced who he is. The Magi had joy, not because of their journey, but because of who he is. The shepherds, joy, not because of their stations in life, but because they experienced who he is. And if we find it impossible to experience joy, It can only be because we haven't experienced who he is. Or we've allowed our circumstances to make us forget. Because when we experience who he is, we don't have to try to be joyful, we rejoice. And here's something interesting about the word joy in the Old Testament, The word joy is primarily used to describe victory over your enemies. That's how joy is primarily used in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's used almost exclusively to describe Christ's victory in our lives over death and sin. If we want to experience true joy, we have got to stop measuring it by our own victories and start being rooted in the victory of Jesus Christ. Because that is finished. That is true victory. But you might say, Josh, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've lost. You don't know what I've experienced. You don't know what this year has been like for me. And you're right. I don't know. But I do know this, that the angel didn't come to proclaim joy for the happy. He came to proclaim an unspeakable joy for the hurting. Listen to this quote. If there weren't pain, suffering, sin, destruction, discouragement, and death, There would be no need for Christmas. This holiday is about suffering. This holiday is about pain. Jesus didn't come so that we could find joy in a perfect family Christmas. He came to bring hope and joy to a broken world that had no answer for their pain and for their suffering. If your struggle is overwhelming, Christmas is for you. If your dreams have been crushed, Christmas is for you. If your journey is uncertain and you don't know which way to turn, Christmas is for you. And if your circumstances feel unbearable, Christmas is for you because Christmas is for the brokenhearted and the lonely and the rejected because the joy of Christmas isn't a feeling. It's the Lamb of God who came to that manger as the beginning of his march to the cross so that he could find defeat and victory. He could find victory over all the sin and death that caused your suffering in the first place and then reunite us with a God who loves us. This promise of joy at Christmas is for you. It's for you and it's personal. Make it personal when you read the story. I bring you good tidings of great joy for unto you. Unto you Bradley and Lynn. Unto you Mary and Elizabeth, and Michael, and Harley. And you, unto you, unto you, is born in the city of David, a Savior that is Christ the Lord. Let's pray, stand with me. Father God, I pray an earnest blessing over everyone here, everybody watching online, everyone who watched this later. Lord, this Christmas is not gonna be the same. And I praise you for that, may it not be the same. May this Christmas not be the same for anyone in this room. May it instead be a day of victory, a season of victory, a season of hope, a season where traditions give way to being drawn closer to you that we might be guided like the magi by the star. We give you praise in the name of Christ. Amen. If you are hurting, We have pastors and volunteers down front that will anoint you with the oil and pray with you. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is Psalm 16 verse 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Here's this week's spiritual practice. The words and presence of the Holy Spirit were sources of joy in the story of Mary and Elizabeth. Thank God for being with you and ask him which word or phrase he wants you to remember when you read a scripture passage. Uh, Try it with today's study passage, Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 45. At Brookwood, we wanna help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. Thank you for listening. Have a great week and Merry Christmas.